today. So the intercession team, please help me there as we, as we make our progress. The book of Hebrews, we've been doing a series, and it is very important that you understand, as you're going through the different books of, of the Bible, the ultimate revelation of the scripture is Christ Jesus. Tell the person next to you, it's all about Jesus. It's not about your good behavior and all your religious performances and you looking good in front of us. It's all about Jesus. Amen? And God's plan was always to bring the Son of God as the centrality of the whole universe. In Him, everything has its being. Everything moves within Him. He holds everything together by the word of His power. And as a church, we are not a church that is around or that that is based around all sorts of doctrines and conducts. We are a church that is based around Jesus. Amen? Jesus is the central message of the Bible. There is no other message except the revelation or the unveiling of the beauty and the majesty and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ in the earth. The whole world is full of religions today. Their proclamation is that there is always an alternative way to God. And there are many roads to Rome. But I tell you that is a lie. There is only one way. There is only one truth. There is only one life. And his name is Jesus. Amen. And it is not because God wants to be exclusive and wants to exclude certain people, groups, certain tribes, certain communities, certain countries. No. It's because no one else is able to save. There is salvation in no other. There is salvation in no other. It is not a matter of having somebody who comes along and has a better way to show us the way. We need the way. We don't know, we don't want to know somebody who points us to the way. We want the way. Amen? And the book of Hebrews is almost an argument to show the Jewish people the supremacy of Christ over everything that was introduced by the previous covenant of the law, which is the Old Testament. Now, legally speaking, a testament is a will, yes? How many of you have a will here? Maybe you don't want to raise your hand in case the family members are like, oh. (laughs) I need to make sure I'm included in that will. The Bible speaks about the first testament and it is a will together with covenants that are laid together because there are expectations for the performance of this will. And the first testament was based around Mount Sinai and it was made in covenant together with the people of Israel through a mediator or a, 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 a middleman. We know about that. A middleman between God and the people. That middleman was Moses. And Moses was called to bring the people out of Egypt so that they could be a special treasure to God, a special nation that would be a light that shows what it is like to live under Elohim, to live under Jehovah. To walk with God that is in heaven as your king. But the problem with the previous covenant was the people. The covenant was beautiful in the sense that it had all the blessings that you could ever want. 
The promises in Deuteronomy say that you'll be blessed if you obey every, every tenet, every single tenet of this covenant. You'll be blessed. You'll be blessed coming in. You'll be blessed going out. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the field. Blessed will be your bread basket. Blessed will be the fruit of your Even your animal's children will be blessed. You'll be blessed, blessed, blessed. None of these diseases will come upon you. You will not have mildew. You will not have mold. Your, your, your fields will produce. The blessing will be upon you. If, if you obey all of the commandments that the Lord your God is giving you today. How many commandments? More than 600 of them. And God brought in a system in order to atone for the sins under that commandment, under that covenant, because the commandment was holy. The law was perfect. The law was righteous, like a perfect husband. But the people were weak, like an imperfect wife. <laughs> it's true. The guy's just putting requirements. And God found fault with the people. <laughs> it's, it, never mind. <laughs> the revelation of the scripture is that, you know, the Lord represents the husband, the people. Anyway, if you need prayer about that after the service. <laughs> anyway, so the, the law is perfect. The expectation, the standard is perfect, but it could not bring righteousness. The scripture says if there could be life through a certain commandment, then Christ would not have come. Righteousness would have been through the law. And it says that you who are trying to be justified through the law, you have made the work of Christ of no effect in your life. And the Bible, in the first testament, it begins to foreshadow certain types, examples, certain symbols about what the reality would be in the other testament. Amen? Now, legally speaking, if you've got two testaments, which one is valid? The last one. So, family member, make sure <laughs> that your name is included in the second wheel. That's the more important one. The last wheel is the one that counts. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's in the first wheel. The first testament may be indicative of the wheel at that time. But the second testament is the amendment of the desire of the testator. And this is the one that will be performed. And the book of Hebrews speaks about how a testament doesn't come into force until the testator dies. And the second testament only came into force when the testator came on earth and died. And then he rose from the dead to be the advocate that walks into that funeral and says, I am here to administer the estate and make sure. This is wonderful. Imagine, imagine you could die and then come back to make sure that that other uncle doesn't take the things from the children. 
Amen? Amen. And the Bible speaks about how the New Testament is the fulfillment of the foreshadowing of the prophecies of even the laws and the types and the shadows that were being introduced through the Old Testament. Amen? Now, the Old Testament... Before I run out of my time, Pastor Ephraim, let me quickly go to that scripture. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 4. I'd like to advise you to read the book of Hebrews on a weekend, maybe on a Saturday morning, 11 o'clock or so. (laughs) Read it from the beginning to the end. You will see the logic that he's trying to bring. We saw Pastor Yoma shared with us how in the first few chapters it speaks about how God used to speak to us through the prophets. Why? Because the prophets at that time were portraying what we were going to have in Christ. And then the law came in through the hands of angels. Angels that met Moses on Mount Sinai to give him the stone tablets. Angels that administered that covenant. Right? But Jesus is not an angel like the Jehovah's Witnesses would have you believe. Or like the Seventh-day Adventists would have you believe. Jesus is not Michael the archangel. For to which angel did he ever say, Thou art my son, today I have begotten you. We see Jesus made a little lower than the angels. But he is God in the flesh. Amen? So then, later on, he comes in and he says that Jesus is greater than Moses. And Moses was the one who saw, the Bible says, with Moses I speak face to face like a friend, mouth to mouth. And then they come along and say, no, there's another guy, we we don't know who his father really is. He likes to hang out with prostitutes and drunkards, and he is greater than Moses. And he's teaching the people that they don't have to be circumcised anymore in order to be right with God. Who is he? His name is Jesus. We will kill him, surely. And the writer of Hebrews begins to speak about why Jesus is greater than Moses. Just like the builder of a house is greater than the house itself. And then Pastor Ephraim spoke about the Sabbath. And that that commandment that is broken in this church every Saturday. By people who think they keep the old covenant. And the Sabbath is a type and shadow about the rest that we will find in Christ. That Christ is the embodiment of our Sabbath day. Where there will be no works of righteousness to earn the blessings of God. That in fact, if you work In that Sabbath, you will surely perish. And we have a type of the Sabbath and Sabbath years and Sabbath days that are now fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you Sabbath rest. Christ is the fulfillment of the law. He is the fulfillment of righteousness. For all who believe, from all things from which you could not be justified through the law of Moses. Quote, unquote, Acts chapter 13. 
So for some of you, you are thinking, whoa, 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 what are we hearing here? Now let me go to this scripture. It speaks about the high priest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, our confession of Christ, not our confession of sins. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect and has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Chapter 5 verse 1 says, For every high priest is chosen from among the people and is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God and to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin so that he can deal gently with the ignorance and the wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for his sins, as he does for those of the people, and no one takes this honor for himself, but it is only God who calls priests into office. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Okay, mouthful. What is the purpose of the priest? The priest is not the representative of God to the people. That's a prophet. And we saw how God spoke like that in the past, but now the son has come. So God has come to the people. The priest is there to represent the people to God. And in Israel, what happened was because of the fact that there were so many laws, perfect laws and imperfect people, God put in a sacrificial system that would be based on blood. Some of you, you don't understand that forgiveness of sins doesn't come by asking. Tell the person next to you, asking for forgiveness does not forgive your sins from God. All the times that you've asked for forgiveness from God, that is not the reason why God forgave you. Without the shedding of blood, without the shedding of blood, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So the reason why you are forgiven today is not because you remembered before you slept to ask for forgiveness, lest if I lose my breath in sleep, I might end up in Hades. The reason why you are forgiven before God is because there is blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. Amen? So that blood was put in. In the Old Testament, that blood was a type and a symbol that was brought in through the blood of animals. You, you have a high priest who is administering this system to make sure that the sacrifice happens the right way. And so the high priest's role is to receive the gifts, receive the, the sacrifices brought from the people. 
inspect them to see whether they are up to the standard of the law, and then to administer the sacrificing and the sacrificial act and bring that blood into the most holy place where, where the angels look down below like this, and the law is within the Ark of the Covenant, bring in that blood and sprinkle it below the wings of the angel upon the mercy seat. It has to be blood. And the high priest, if he overslept on that day, and the sacrifice was not administered on the day of atonement, then the whole group of people, the whole nation, will be under God's wrath. And what you will see is foreign nations coming in. The protection is lifted. Foreign nations coming in. And they will do every desecrating thing in the nation of Israel because the sacrifice was not administered. And the priest had failed. Therefore, the priest had to make sure he first washes his hands, does the sacrifices for his own sins, and then administers properly. And the Bible speaks about how the vestments of the priest had so many representations about what the people should, re, uh, should represent to God. And at the bottom, there were pom- pom- pomegranates and, and bells like this. Fruit and bell, fruit and bell under his skirt. So when he's moving in the tabernacle, you hear ding, 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 ding. If that music stops, you know there is problems. Because the priest has died, and the sacrifice was not accepted, and therefore the people will perish. Now, the only problem, if you have a good priest in office, is that he will soon grow old and die. And if his son is a terrible rascal, then you must start to worry, because he will succeed the priest, and he will oversleep on the Day of Atonement, and then the people will suffer. But, Jesus comes in. Jesus is not even qualified to be a priest under the Old Testament because he's from the tribe of Judah. And the law says that the Levites are the only tribe that can be priests. So therefore, there must be a new law that is introduced and a new covenant that is introduced that allows the Son of God to be a priest. And this Son of God, Jesus, is a perfect priest, one, because he never oversleeps nor slumbers. Two, He is perfect and righteous. He will never sin. He doesn't even have to offer sacrifices for sins for his own sins. Three, he was made a man so that he can know what you are going through when he's representing you to God. Does God know what I am going through? Yes. And he intercedes and he represents you before God because he knows what it is like. To be a man and to be tempted at every point. And then he doesn't come with the blood of a goat or a lamb or a bird or a four-footed beast or a cow. That only covers sins for one here. He comes with his own blood. The eternal spirit. And he goes not to an earthly tabernacle to take blood under a box. He goes into heaven itself. To make atonement for your sins, not for one here, but once and forever. Once and forever. 
Those sacrifices in the Old Testament were repeated because they did not work. The reason why Jesus is not going to die again is because his blood was effective. He only had to do it once. This is our high priest. He doesn't die. He never grows old. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now for you, Bible school students, the Bible speaks in the, in the book of Matthew. I'll ask you to go read that out. Matthew chapter 5, verse 39 and 40. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And they are criticizing him because he is coming to rearrange and bring in a new covenant that seems to go against the old. And so then they debate with him and criticize him. And he says, you study the scriptures. You do do ENLI. You study the scriptures as if in them you will find life. And these are the scriptures that testify about me. And yet you do not come to me. It would be like reading a book about a lady that you fell in love with. And you read every morning. For one hour, you read, you study, you go into the original language that she wrote it in. (laughs) And then, when she arrives and wants to have a relationship with you, in reality, you say, excuse me, I am busy studying your book. (laughs) And according to your book, you are wrong. This is exactly what the Pharisees were doing. All of this is about Christ. There are many theologians. I remember when I was studying on Stellenbosch, the theology students were the most debauched. Why? Because the tradition and the religion that they were taking in did not bring them to Christ. They studied the scriptures as if in them you will find an employment, as if in them you will find career, as if in them you will find life or some kind of standard that will help you raise good children. But you do not come to the author himself. Bible school students, in conclusion. <laughs> yeah? Is my time up? Do I still have some time? Thank you, Pastor Yoma. Intercessors are doing good wherever you are. Bible school students, you studied your inner life. You were top, top. We will see the top students today. Top student. Eh? The question is, after studying all of that, did it end you up at the feet of Jesus Christ? Did it cause love for Christ to rise within you? Did it cause a passion for Christ to rise within you? And you might ask, no, well, if the lecturer was more effective, maybe it would have worked. No, I'm telling you, in a batch like this, in a batch like this, the same word will be going out. One will be left on the roof and one will be taken. Right? Look at the person next to you. (laughs) Are you going? (laughs) If you are husband and wife, don't say anything. (laughs) I don't want to cause problems. (laughs) 
I remember two years ago in that sermon. That's where it all started. It is important. We come to church. We listen to the word. We have a tradition. We have people from the church. You know? We are from the church. We don't do those things. Huh? Yeah. We are from the church. How do you say it in Mashuamba? We are from the church. <laughs> you don't know. Huh? From my grandfather's time, <laughs> this was our pew. I was baptized. Wah, 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 wah. The question is, after you have come to the knowledge about Christ, do you come to Christ? I'm telling you, in marriage, it's easy. It's easy to have a WhatsApp email relationship. Once you get married and you move in with a person, other things are exposed that would never have been exposed if you were never in that close relationship. And there are many of us, there are certain things that God wants to deal with in your life, and it only gets dealt with when you approach. Now the scripture that we read, Hebrews 4, it says, Come, we can, because of this high priest, we have been represented very well before God. In fact, we have been made new in Christ because of the blood of Christ. So when we approach the throne of grace, and this approach is allegorical because we are there already. We are speaking in human terms. So it's not like, okay, Lord, I've come to you, bye after the conversation, and I'm out of heaven, out of, you know. No, we are there, right? But in our hearts, we tend to approach God every time. Now it says when you approach God, because of what was done, in the Old Testament, when the high priest approached, what would happen? He approached very carefully. Why? There might perhaps have been a thought. When my wife looked at me wrong, then there was a thought in my heart that maybe I didn't cover under the blood of that goat. Or the goat had a leg that was not right. Something in the blood and the DNA. So how do you approach? Very carefully. Make sure the people can hear. And there's a rope. There's a rope tied around. So that if there's no noise, you just pull it out. Because no one can go in there and pick up a body. There's no exemption for the emergency services. So, when we approach God. When we approach God. When the high priest approached God. He would approach very, very carefully. Under the eyes of angels that are ready to execute. This is, this is heavenly justice. The eyes of God see every sin. For those of you who think that I've confessed everything, there are other things that you have not confessed because you just can't remember. And if it was based on your confession and management of all those sins before God, Lord, here are all the receipts. There will always be one receipt missing. <laughs> Therefore, Therefore, it has to be by a perfect blood. It must be by perfect blood. So that the things that I remember, sins of, sins of omission, sins of commission, sins of diffusion, sins of presence, sins of absence, all those nonsense things have been dealt with by perfect blood. So when the high priest comes, he comes very, very carefully. When he's done, he comes out immediately. <laughs> Before I think something there and I stay. Okay, let's go out, let's go out, let's go out, it's done. And it was only one man on the earth that could go in there. On the day of atonement, Jesus was crucified. There was a trumpet that sounded in Israel. 
simultaneously. When he shouted, Tetelestai, it is fully paid. It is finished, like we were seeing. When he shouted like that, and he committed his spirit to God, something happened in the earthly temple. From the top to the bottom. If you are cutting curtains in your house, from where will you start if the curtain is hung? From the top? No. From the bottom. But if God is above, where will he start? At the top. So this curtain was ripped by God. Why? Because when the blood was, was shed from heaven, even in the time there was an earthquake and the, there was darkness on the earth, from the top to the bottom, the curtain was torn whoa, in the temple, forever opening the way to the throne and the holiest place for every single nation. And now he says, come boldly. <laughs> Signs and wonders. Come boldly. So when you come, please, please don't come with your, your consciousness of, of sins. And if you have sin in your mind, remember Christ. I will finish now. Yeah? Am I? I'm coming. Oh. Don't come with your consciousness of sins. Come with the consciousness of the redemption of Christ. If there is a sin issue, God will help you. But you cannot be out here washing, washing, washing yourself, then come to the shower. Lord, shower me now. No. You go to the place where you will be showered. And you come boldly. So you come boldly, even if brother so-and-so is looking at you like that, brother, don't deserve to come boldly like that. I know I'm, I'm in his connect. <laughs> So you come boldly. You come boldly past brother so and so. Excuse me. <laughs> Amen. Uh, if you want more of that, it's in the book of Hebrews. Just go. <laughs> so, so Bible school students, it's all about Jesus. These are wonderful certificates signed by the dean, senior pastor. Those are wonderful. These gifts are nice. But uh, Jesus said something to his disciples that was really outstanding. He said to them when they came back from exploits of casting out devils and healings, he told them, don't rejoice. Because I saw, I saw Satan falling from heaven. But don't rejoice because of exploits. Don't rejoice because, man, I did it. I, I woke up 7 o'clock class and all of that. Uh, that's good. But that's not why you should rejoice because your names are registered in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. Thank you, Margaret. Uh, this of the Spirit. Just, I didn't get it. Thank you, Pastor.